I am so glad that you're joining us here at New Promise Church Online. I'm Pastor Rory Gruters, and I hope you're going to have a great day today. What I want to talk with you about for a few minutes this morning is putting God to the test. So I'm going to ask if you take your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 3. Now, I believe it's in our human nature to be testers and to be people who test things to see if they really work the way that people tell us that they work. For instance, how many of you can remember when you were a young child and your mom or dad said, don't touch the stove when it's red because that means it's hot. Now, how many of you reached up your hand and maybe you didn't touch the stove fully, maybe you just you know, got close to feel the heat, but what were you doing? You were testing to see if what your mom and dad were telling you was true and if it was gonna work the way that they said it was gonna work. Or how about when you're at a, a gun range and you pull the trigger to test and see if there actually is a bullet in the gun? Now, I was at a gun range, an outdoor gun range, one time a number of years ago now, me and two of my other buddies, and in between rounds and everything, all of a sudden, I think the guy's name was Tom, he puts his gun pointed down to the grass, and he pulls the trigger, and he almost shot my friend's foot off. I mean, the bullet came really close, and so we both kind of jumped on Tom and we just yelled at him. We said, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And, and he said, well, I was, had the gun down there and I was just pulling the trigger to see if there was a bullet left in the gun. I mean, how, really, honestly, how stupid is that, right? This guy became the poster child for people who should not carry firearms. And what was he doing in that moment? He was unintentionally testing our patience with him. And so sometimes we can test each other's patience. So by nature, we're testers, we're experimenters, we're explorers. We'll experiment with different chemicals and combinations and chemistry to come up with new solutions and new medicines and discover new things. Hopefully discover a better way of life, but sometimes we discover a worse way of life. But by human nature, We're testers, we're explorers. So maybe it's not illogical then that people test God. Even though in both the Old and the New Testament, God says, do not tempt or test the Lord your God, there's always gonna be people out there who ignore that. They'll ignore what God says in the Proverbs about having wisdom to see danger and avoid it. They'll run straight ahead. They'll think God's gonna save them, God's gonna rescue them, and when God doesn't, they suffer for it, and then they blame God for it. Why? Because by human nature, we're testers, we're explorers. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good. So while it's not illogical to me, that people in general test God from time to time to see if what he says in his word is really true. What's illogical to me is that when God's people, you and me, Christians, when we don't take God seriously, when we don't test God in the one and only way that God says to test him and see if he will not do what he promises to do. And such was the case of Israel back in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. Now, the book of Malachi is really kind of a summation of God's indictment against Israel for not trusting him and not testing him by not tithing back to him. And that indictment goes all the way back to 597 B.C. before the Babylonian captivity 
Because in Malachi 3, he's going to talk about how he indicts them linked to their ancestors all the way back for not trusting him and the evidence of their lack of trust in God was that they stopped tithing to God. And tithing was very important as an Old Testament way of life for, for the Israelis. Because tithing was at their inception of being a nation. It was part of their Mosaic law. In fact, tithing was before the Mosaic law in Genesis 14 where Abraham, it says he tithed to a king of Salem whose name was Melchizedek. And Salem is what Jerusalem used to be called before it was called Jerusalem later on. And it says that when Abraham tithed to King Melchizedek, the king of Salem or Jerusalem, that the king blessed Abraham. And if you go forward to Hebrews chapter 7, it's very interesting where it says that King Melchizedek possibly could be or could have been a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ. For King Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem was called the place of peace. Jerusalem, the place of peace. Jesus is called the prince of peace. Do you get the connection? It's very fascinating that it is possible that Abraham actually tithed to Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate form way, way back in Genesis chapter 14. So then when Israel becomes a nation, God brings tithing forward as part of the Mosaic Law. So tithing is actually before the Mosaic Law, part of the Mosaic Law, but it's not limited to the Mosaic Law, is my point. And it's all about trusting God. When you think of tithing in the Old Testament, don't think of just law. Think of the purpose of the law. It was to show thankfulness to God and trust in God by returning just 10% of everything that God had blessed them with. It was all about trusting God. And so take your books and turn to Malachi chapter 3. I think I said take your books, take your Bible, and turn to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to pick it up at verse 8. But verses 6 and 7, it talks about God says, I do not change, so you are not destroyed. In other words, God says, I'm a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a forgiving God, and that's good for you. Otherwise, you would be destroyed. And God says, if you return to me, I will return to you. So he's always calling his people to repent and turn back to him. Now let's pick it up in verse 8. God says... Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and in offerings. And you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now watch this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their figs before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, let's look at five forensic facts about what we just read here in Malachi chapter 3. Number one, 
We already said this, God's covenant people are breaking covenant with God, they're robbing from God, and they're stealing from God. Now this is the same God who created them, saved them, and set them apart and sanctified them as his chosen people. And yet they have the, 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 the audacity, the lack of faith and lack of trust that they are actually stealing from the very God who created them, who loves them, who saved them, and who sanctified them. Number two in verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which means there's a difference between just an offering and a tithe. An offering is just anything. A tithe is 10% of everything that God has already blessed you with. Number three, it says the storehouse was the local community or the gathering place of God's people. In the Old Testament, it would have been like local synagogues or in Jerusalem, it would have been the temple. If you extrapolate that to the New Testament today, it would be churches. Churches all across the world where God's people come together to worship God in spirit and in truth, learn from his word, and bring the tithe and the offering into the storehouse of God's people. Number four, tithing is the only way in all of the Bible where God says, invites, and tells his people to test him in this. So God really wants people, come on, test me in this and see if I will not keep my word to you. And number five, God's promises to bless them, to prevent certain things from happening to them, to provide for other good things that will happen to them that God will cause to bless them, it's all tied to how much they trust God in tithing back to God. So it's all about God's promises being tied to how much they trust God in the tithe. Now, Speaking of promises, did you know that there are just about or just over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible? And each promise or almost every promise is tied to a premise. What I mean by that is this. God says in all of his promises, if you do this, then I'll do that. That's the premise of the promise. The premise is, this is what God wants you to do, and the promise is, this is what God is going to do in your life. A good illustration of that would be in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, where God says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Did you see the premise before the promise? The promise is, and you will be saved. The premise is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. In other words, be genuine and sincere with God that you are receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. Confess that Jesus is your Savior, your Lord, the Savior, the Lord of everything. Really mean it, sincerely and genuinely. And God says, and that's all you need to be saved. That's the premise with the promise. Now, another word or another concept that's repeated many times throughout the Bible is the idea of giving or being generous or generosity. It actually shows up about 2,152 times throughout the Bible, and I think it's because of this. I think it's because God is a generous giver. Uh, There's a scripture in James chapter one that says every good and perfect gift that we have in our lives comes down from God, the heavenly father of lights. And it's logical to me that because we are created in the image and the likeness of God, 
that, of course, God would want us to learn how to be like him. And so 2,152 times, God is telling us and trying to teach us how to be like him in our generous and faithful giving. In many ways, not just money, but of time, talents, as well as our treasures and the tithe. Let's look at some of the examples. Number one, giving generously glorifies God because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you will be glorifying God through your generous giving. And in Proverbs 14, it says, whoever is generous to the needy honors God. So what those scriptures are saying is, as we give of ourselves generously, of our time, talents, treasure, tithe, whatever it is, that we are honoring God, we're showing we value God, and that God is glorified in us and through us because we're allowing God to be the center of attention in our giving. In other words, it's not the idea that we would receive recognition or anything like that or pats on the back or something. It's just that we are so happy to be like God and to give generously of what God's already blessed us with because that's exactly what honors God. That's exactly what says we value God. It's kind of like in other places where God says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. It's the exact same principle. When we give of ourselves generously in times, talents, treasures, or tithe, or whatever it is, we are honoring God and we are allowing God to be glorified in us and through our giving. Number two, giving generously draws you closer to God. And this is the idea that whatever you invest in, you're going to be interested in. Think of it this way. Think of your 401k. Think of your Roth IRA. Think of any financial investments that you have. You probably check them periodically from time to time because you're interested in them. Whatever you invest in is what you're interested in. Well, the same is true with God, and that's what Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse uh, 23 says is the purpose of tithing. The purpose of tithing is to draw your attention to God, making sure God is the first place in your life. So before you check your 401k or your IRA, you want to check your tithing because your tithing, your investment in tithing into God's kingdom is indicative of your interest in God's kingdom. Number three, in Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus said, our giving reveals the condition of our heart for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In Proverbs 21, it says, the greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. And that's because the greedy are always thinking about themselves and the godly are always thinking about other people. Number four, it says generous giving makes you more like Jesus. Think of the scripture that says, look at the love that God lavished upon us in Jesus Christ. Think of John 3.16 that says, for God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, confesses with their uh, mouth, believes in their heart, they shall be saved. They shall have eternal life. Why? Because God didn't give Jesus to condemn us. He gave Jesus to save us through him. Now, giving generously, I think, comes from a, a sense of, of uh, faith. 
a sense of trust. We have a sense of faith and trust in God, I think, when we give generously. I think that's the evidence or an evidence of our faith and trust in God is when we give generously. And I think the opposite is also true. I think stinginess comes from the stress of having a lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. And and you go into self-preservation mode and you start thinking about yourself. You know, you you stop playing to win, you, you start playing not to lose. And what's happening there is you're saying you believe more in yourself and what you can control than you believe in God and what he can control. So stinginess, I think, comes from a lack of faith in God and generosity in our giving comes from an abundant faith in God because our focus isn't on ourselves. Our focus isn't upon our ability to provide for ourselves. Our focus is on God's ability to provide for us and to help provide for others through us and through the generosity of our giving, of our time, our talents, our treasures, whatever it may be. Now, A good example of another promise with a premise is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. And each should give what you have decided to give, not reluctantly or grudgingly, because God loves a cheerful giver and is able to bless you abundantly in all of your giving whether you're giving of your time or your talents or your treasure or your tithe or whatever your giving may be, God loves and blesses it when we give cheerfully because God knows he's able to bless us some more abundantly through his grace of being the universe's greatest giver that the universe or the world or humanity has ever seen. Now, let's switch gears just a, a little bit And let's consider that even though Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22 about paying taxes, remember they took him a coin and they said, Jesus, tell us, is it right for us Jewish people to pay taxes to the Roman government? And I love how how Jesus kind of rejected the premise of their question, which was meant to entrap him. He took the coin and he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And then he went beyond their question in his answer when he said, and give to God what is God's. So he was basically telling them, pay your taxes and pay the tithe. Pay what you owe to Caesar and pay what you owe to God. And while the Pharisees, I probably didn't want to have to pay taxes to Caesar. I mean, they were setting him up to be entrapped in his own words, but I I think really, I mean, the Pharisees probably wanted to govern themselves totally so they didn't want to have to pay taxes to Rome. But they probably did really like the tithe because that the tithe is where they would get their income from. They got paid through the tithe. And so Jesus, even though he says to the Pharisees, give to a Caesar what is Caesar, give to God's what is God, pay your tithe, pay your taxes, and even though Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 says now about the collection or the offering. On the first day of each week, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. 
And, and there's been debates and discussions and disagreements in theology um, between people and pastors and professors and everything that is this saying that tithing comes into the New Testament as a requirement? In other words, we're expected like God's Old Testament people were, God's New Testament people, the church, were expected to tithe back unto God. And, and while I honestly see both sides of that argument, I really, really do, I don't think that is the argument. I don't think that is the issue. I really don't think that in the New Testament, or maybe even in the Old Testament, I don't think the issue was ever that it was a requirement. I don't think it was a requirement thing. I think it's always been and still is a trusting God thing. Do we trust God with the things we can see in our lives? Do we trust God with the tithe. In other words, if you think about this, the tithe is going back to God and taking 10% of what he's given you in the finances, is what our culture is, and, and you say, thank you, God, for blessing me with my job. Thank you, God, for blessing me with this inheritance. Thank you, God, for blessing me with the whatever, right? And you're also saying, and I trust you, Lord, to keep taking care of me. I trust you, Lord, to keep blessing me. You see, I think tithing, it's not about being a requirement, tithing, it's all about, do you trust God? Are you thankful to God for what he's already done in your life? And are you trusting him for what he's going to do in your life? Now, some people, and and you might be like this, maybe you're not, I don't know, but some people, they get annoyed when pastors and preachers talk or preach or teach on giving and offerings and tithe and everything. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, well, the church is just after your money. And I I mean, I've been a pastor for over 25 years. I've heard that a lot. The church is just after your money. Frankly, I think it's Satan's way of working through people, of getting pastors and preachers to be afraid to talk about money in the church. That's just my own personal thought, my own personal conviction and belief. I don't think it's the people who are to blame. I think it's Satan who is to blame working through humanity to kind of try and stifle the church and everything. But the other thing that I've noticed about, and I agree that there's a lot of things to preach on in the Bible. I mean, I do not try and hobby horse on any topic, and I don't hobby horse on, on preaching on tithing and giving, but I think it's, it's our responsibility to talk about all the ways that we work with God and our relationship with God works and things like that, right? But have you noticed that while people say of the church, they're always after your money, they never say that about the gas station or the grocery store. And the gas station and the grocery store are after your money too. I mean, you don't go to the gas station, at least I hope you don't, you don't get gas without paying for it. And you don't go to the grocery store and, and, and you don't get food off the shelves and just run out of the store and, and don't pay for it, right? At least I hope you don't do that. And, and, and I, I see people on Sunday mornings panic-stricken writing out their check as worship's going on. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, did they come to church and forget there's an offering? Did, did they come to the church and forget that ministry costs money? I mean, it it costs money to run a church ministry, and I don't think we need to be ashamed of that or apologetic of that for a moment. I mean, from from doing building repairs and and building updates and upgrading AV systems, audiovisual systems, and and paying the utility bills and paying the salaries and supporting missions and, and supporting people, blessing people through the benevolence and everything. 
And then just all the other ministries churches may run, it all costs money and it's just the way it is. And, and I don't think we should feel ashamed to talk about it or apologetic to talk about it. I agree that's not all we should talk about, but we're talking about it, it today. And, and my, my belief is, is this, I, I think the best way to talk about things like this is through a biblical basis, socially minded, thinking of people, intentional in our Christianity and being direct but diplomatic about the topic. And so I've said all that to say this, I think that if we would all trust God in tithing back to God, I think we would all be blessed individually and collectively because Malachi 3, his blessing doesn't just go to the individual person, his blessing would also go to the storehouse or the local place where God's people meet. You know, sometimes I, I really wonder, we trust God whom we can't see, frankly, I don't know if you've seen God. I, we see the evidences of God all around us, but we've never really seen God yet. And so we trust an unseen God to save us from a horrible place called hell that we've never seen, to save us to a wonderful place called heaven that we also have never seen yet. But we have a hard time trusting God with the things we do see, like our money, our material possessions, and the tithe. Now, let me be very clear, this message is not about to guilt you into giving or manipulate you into giving. The integrity of this message truly is just about to educate you if you didn't already know these things and convince you of the blessings of trusting God in the tithing. Because when it comes to the blessings of God and God blessing you and God blessing the storehouse, it's all tied to trusting him, trusting him in tithing. And, and I know that our first reaction is to justify why we can't tithe. I remember when I was just a Christian and I heard Pastor Benson preach, preach on tithing. My first reaction was, oh man, I don't make a lot of money. And I thought, I'll, make, I'll tithe when I start making a lot of money, right? And we say, Pastor, you just don't understand. I just can't afford to tithe right now. Well, there's two things to that. Number one is this, it's actually backwards the way we're saying it. We look to God and we say, God, when you bless me more, I will tithe. And what God is saying in his word is, when you tithe, I will bless you more. And secondly, we need to, to look at, of everything that we've seen in scripture this morning, of all of the promises and the premises that come along with those promises, I think the conclusion is you can't afford not to tithe because if your tithing is, is, if God's blessing you more is conditional to your tithing, then why aren't you tithing? Unless you just want to tell everybody you don't want any more of God's blessings. The, the, the second part of this is I know that the hardest part is getting started. Karen and I, I remember when we were starting out and we didn't have a whole lot of money and, and we had a couple of kids and stuff and, and, and getting tithing was, was, was hard. We both tithed individually before we met, but then when we started having children and life got more expensive, it, it was getting harder to tithe. And, and so I, I can relate to where you're at if you, if you don't tithe yet. I can relate to the hardest thing is getting started. 
But in all my years of being a pastor and walking people through the practices and the promises of God, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, Pastor, you know getting started was so hard, but since I've been tithing, it's been so great. I've been so blessed with a new job, with a promotion, with a raise, with, with more money, with family unity, with health and happiness and wholeness and just a myriad kaleidoscope of ways that God can bless people, I have heard the testimonies of hundreds, maybe thousands of people over my career being a pastor who have said, Pastor, it was hard to get started at first, but I've been blessed ever since. The third thing as we wrap up this morning is I know Satan wants to steal the word of God's truth from your heart. That's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 14. And that's something that you and I and we have to guard against. He's, he's going to try and do it, and he's been doing it right now. I think he's been whispering somewhere in the back of your mind, just like he did with Adam and Eve. He's been maybe saying to you, and if, he hasn't, if you haven't heard this yet, you'll probably hear it tomorrow when it's time to tithe, you know. Did God really say, and then with Eve, he said that you would die. Well, here it would say, did God really say you should trust him in the tithe? If you ever thinking that, you got to be careful with that because I think that Satan whispering into your soul trying to steal the truth of God's promises to bless you that are in his word that are tied to you trusting God in the tithe. And finally, if you're already tithing, thank you so much. I trust that you are living in the blessings of God's hand. But if you're not, trust, if you're not trusting God in the tithe just yet, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to test God in tithing. I want you to take six to eight weeks and I want you to tithe back to God at your local church and if NPC is your local church, I want you to tithe here. 10% of what God has blessed you with in your income, give God six to eight weeks and see what God will do in your life. See how God's word is true to bless you if you'll trust him in tithing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. As always, it's a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. And you always raise our eyes up higher than the horizon of our own humanity so we can see our lives from your heavenly perspective. Father, I pray that you continue to bless your people and keep your people and continue to make your face shine upon us and raise up your countenance over us, Father. Give us a, a sense of peace and faith and trust in you that if we're already tithing, we're living in your blessings. And if we're not tithing, but we want to live in your blessings, then help us to trust you more in our faithfulness and the generosity of our giving in returning to you the tithe, thankful for what you've already blessed us with and trusting you with the future tomorrow. And we simply pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you.